Greetings, Heartlanders, wherever you are. I have a question for you, and that question is this. Where were you on February 5th? Now, yet you got to go in the time machine and go back to a circumstance in our city, something that was happening that day. It was the day of the Chiefs Parade, <laughs> a gathering that we could not recreate today in the environment we find ourselves in. But back then, we were gathered on the streets of downtown Kansas City celebrating. Now, where, where were you? And by the way, if you're a Broncos fan, now would be the time to like go refill your coffee or do something to avoid this painful moment that we're about to step into. Here's where I was. I was at 11th and Grand. Uh, my uh, son and myself and a cousin, we decided to, uh, to head down and we, we got to the city market, parked our cars, and then, uh, and then ventured out to the pre-route of the parade. We thought if we could see everyone lining up, we could see Pat Mahomes, we could see Big Red, we could catch them all and before they entered the parade route. And it turned out to be a really fun time. It was flurries, it was a, a beautiful morning, it was cold. Uh, but what I remember seeing is as soon as I got down to 11th and Grand is I encountered about 35 Heartlanders <laughs> that I, I did not know were there. It was the group from Monitor Square, uh, a bunch of families. It was uh, so many kids and moms and dads hanging out together. Now, what everyone didn't know is that I was really, really prepared for this day. I had gotten some advice from a friend who said, hey, you... You remember 2015 and the Royals. You remember the scarcity of bathrooms and the lines. And, and, and this friend just offered to me a device that would save me some pain. And that device, uh, highly techno technological, it was an adult diaper. <laughs> yeah, so in this photo that you see, I'm actually wearing an adult diaper, and I'm prepared for the worst. Thankfully, I did not have to use the said adult diaper. I was able to use the bathrooms at the Steamboat of Arabia Museum just around the corner, and, and things were okay. But I was prepared. This parade, these preparations, these flocks of people, is, is really what we find ourselves in in the life of Jesus right now. We've been journeying through the Gospel of Luke, as Craig mentioned, and today we come to chapters 18 and 19, and there has been a swell. Uh, there has been a rising crowd following Jesus wherever he goes. They want to get to the spot where he's going to be because they have a sick friend. They want to get to the spot where he is going to be because they want to hear and see for themselves who Jesus is and what he's like. As they're doing this, uh, they're gathering and walking through towns, one town, Jericho, in Luke chapter 18, and there's a blind beggar named Bartimaeus who just hears that Jesus is passing by. He starts to shout that Jesus would come and save him and help him, and people tell him to shut up, and he doubles down and gets even louder, and finally Jesus hears the shouts of Bartimaeus and says, bring him here to me, and he heals him, and this is evidence that Jesus is He's coming to save the last, the least, and the lost. Those who are downtrodden by society, those who have no hope, those who are afraid, those who are being squashed, that's who he's come to be near. Those who have questions, those who are spiritually searching, this is who Jesus has come to save. They move on from the moment of healing Bartimaeus. The crowd continues to go, and the Jericho folks want him to stay. But Jesus has a mission because on this mission, he is, he is in his last days. He's told his disciples, hey, this road leads to Jerusalem, and where I'm going is a difficult place. 
He's tried to tell them over and over again, the cross is the ultimate destination. And on the other side of the cross is a resurrection, but we have to walk towards the cross. Walk with me. It's a moment where, where everyone knows what a cross means. It was not the beautiful tattoo. It was not the golden chain emblem. It wasn't the thing pictured on a church building, but the cross was the worst form of execution and torture that a Roman citizen could experience. And so Jesus tells them, this thing is going to the cross, and we sit here uh, on March 15th, about 26 days away from Easter, and approaching the cross with Jesus in this season. Jesus, all throughout his journey, is looking for the last, the least, and the lost. As he makes this intense journey, he's looking for that. Now, there's one fella, his name is Zacchaeus, and we come to his story in Luke chapter 19. But let's call him Zach, because essentially, he's your tax guy. <laughs> he's the guy who collects the taxes. He's an employee of the Roman Empire, and he has been given the booklet of the tax codes. Now, you and I have access to our tax codes, and we kind of know what we're going to owe come tax time. But Zacchaeus, Zach, keeps this for himself, and he doesn't let anyone look at it. And it's actually the way the system is set up, because he's got an amount to kick over to the Romans, and he's going to give them theirs. But in between that, he can charge whatever he wants from people. Now, he's a Jewish man. He's actually extorting money from his Jewish brothers and sisters and family. And this is his job. And so you, you can imagine that Zach, while not exactly like us, lives comfortably like us. I know, pandemic, things like that create moments where we don't feel like we're living comfortably. But we're living pretty comfortably. If you just look at the global news cycle, there are countries in much, much different shape than we are. What's really interesting about Zach is that he leans into this profession. He makes the most of this income-earning opportunity, and he is despised for it. Like, he's, he's a thief. He's the worst. He gets the four-letter words hurled at him. And he has this desire because he's heard about Jesus. He has this, this suspicion that somehow he hasn't found what he's looking for, even in the midst of all the wealth that one could have. He's still searching for something. And he hears about Jesus. He's heard these rumors of people getting healed, of people being deeply encouraged by Jesus when they're around him. And so he has to see Jesus. He has this desire to see Jesus, but he has the obvious dilemma where Everyone hates him. And you cannot be one in a crowd and be a tax collector, namely a chief tax collector, like the guy in charge of all of Jericho's tax collection is what Zach's role was. And so he knows that Jesus is here and the parade is coming through, and he says to himself, I need to go see Jesus. That's all I need, eyes on Jesus. I need to see this thing. And he approaches and he realizes the crowds, it's not safe for him to be with those crowds. One commentator writes that should he enter the crowds, he's going to get a knife. And so afraid for his life, he backs away. He backs away from the crowd and has to make a decision. 
And the decision is, I, I have, I have to see Jesus. The emptiness inside, the fear, the isolation inside is so great that I, I have to see Jesus. And so Zach knows Jericho. He knows the city map. He knows what's outside the city. And there's a grove of sycamore trees outside the city, about 100 feet outside the city. And he, he starts to run, which is problem number one, because people don't run. A, a man doesn't run, namely a wealthy man doesn't run, because you have other people to run for you. You don't run. You have servants to run for you. But he starts to run because he knows if he can get to that grove of sycamore trees, if he can scale and get to the top, he can somehow remain hidden and see Jesus. His goal, his primary goal, see Jesus is what I need. He does it. He runs. And somebody in the crowd, a seven-year-old girl, notices and says to Dad, Dad, there's a man running. And the dad notices and, and realizes that's Zach. And as they get closer, there's this moment of like, word spreads in the crowd, Zach's in the tree. Punk, Zach's in the tree. Here's what it says, Luke chapter 9, verses 3 and 4. I want to read this to you. He wanted to see who Jesus was, Zacchaeus, but because he was short, short in stature, short in stature and as well despised by the crowd. He could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So he, he does it. He climbs the tree in his wealthy outfit and all. He's up in the tree trying to see Jesus. And then he hears that people know he's there. And this is the moment of, uh, of fear. Like, oh, they, they know I'm here. I'm not as hidden as I think I am. I'm in trouble. I, I can't come down this tree. Have you ever felt a fear like that? An isolation like that? I have. And I think today we have. There's a spot, X marks the spot, and it's, it's underneath the tree, and, and Jesus is headed for the spot. He hears the people, and the people want him to say something to Zach. One commentator, Kenneth Bailey, describes what they want Jesus to say like this. You are an oppressor of these good people. You've drained the economic lifeblood of your people and given it to the imperialists. You have betrayed your country and your God. This community's hatred of you is fully justified. Quit your job and clean up your life. Jesus keeps walking. He says nothing. Eventually he gets to the spot. And this is the spot that has been planned for millennia. When some certain seed entered the ground and a sycamore tree sprouted up with branches big enough for Zach to climb and to hide in the top behind some leaves, but to really not be hidden because Jesus walks to the spot 
and looks up at Zach and says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must be a guest at your home today. I don't know what you think of Jesus. I don't know how Jesus cuts through all the stuff to like make things really clear for you. But for Zach in this moment, things become really, really clear. He wanted to see Jesus. And now he's speaking with Jesus. Their eyes lock and there's a moment of clarity. This is the moment where he's found it. He's found the one who holds all things together. He's found the one who offers hope. He's found the one who, who likes him. And so he, he runs down the tree. He scrambles down the tree and gladly says to Jesus, yes, please come to my home. You see, I think you and I can be stuck in a couple places today. And sometimes we can feel both of these things in the same hour, which is a, a fear of how things are going to work out and when is this going to end and questions about, yeah, health, but also questions about like our, our economy and questions that are really important ones to ask but that you don't have the answers to and that, and that leads you to a place of fear. On the other side, some of us, in the midst of fear, feel hope and know that God is in control and this didn't surprise God and that he still cares for the last, the least, and the lost. Which one are you? Are you stuck in a place of fear? Are you someone who has hope? And I want to offer you a couple, couple things to do. If you're in a place of fear, I think you can have the same experience Zach did, where Jesus locks eyes with Zach and his fear dissipates. He scrambles down the tree and has an immediate joy. He, he has hope. And so I think you can move from fear to hope by fixing your eyes on Jesus, by looking into his eyes, by knowing that Jesus is walking and he is waiting to get to the spot where he can turn his head and lock eyes with you and say that he wants to be with you. Come down from your tree. Come down from your tree. I want to be with you. Zach's house becomes party central. All his tax collector buddies. It becomes such a party that the crowd is really nervous. And the crowd says, this is impossible. This cannot be the least, the last, and the lost that Jesus came to save. And in that moment, Zach stands up and just says, okay, half of my wealth, half of it I'm giving away. And if I've ripped off anyone, I'm going to pay them back four times the amount I've ripped them off. Jesus says that salvation has come to this home. And that Zach is restored to God's family. He's left the, the tree limb of fear and has now become a person of hope. A person of hope now offering hope to others. And so if you're in a place of fear, 
I want you to carve out some time to look into Jesus' eyes. How, does that, how do you do that? You jump into a discipline of reading the Bible. We're reading the Gospel of Luke, chapters 18 and 19 this week. Jump in with us into what we call the journey and read these things. If you're a, a reader of the Psalms, or the Psalms are this incredible chapter, of, chapter after chapter of poetry and prayer in the middle of the Bible, jump into to reading that. If you are on the hope side of things and you feel hope, my challenge to you is to begin to deal that hope out. Because it really is a limitless commodity, this hope that God offers to us. And so begin to give it away because you have neighbors, you have coworkers, you have family members that need to leave the fear and embrace some hope. And you can be the conduit. You can be the one that deals hope out to people. Now more than ever, would it be received? Now more than ever, is it needed? So you, if you're in the tree, because I've been in the tree, I've felt isolated, I've cut myself off from relationships and people before and felt the fear because of choices and because of circumstances. That's true. But Jesus says to me, when I've chosen to be separated and cut off, he says, come down. I want to be with you. And so could you lock eyes with Jesus, come down from your tree, and be with Jesus? I love this quote from J.R.R. Tolkien in The Fellowship of the Rings. Here's what he writes. The world is indeed full of peril, and in it there are many dark places. But still there is much that is fair. And though in all lands love is now mingled with grief, it grows perhaps the greater. It really speaks to the growing commodity of hope that we could all be dealers in. And so my prayer for us, my hope for us, is that we would leave the place of fear, even for a moment, because, my friends, that is all you have right now, this moment to choose. If you will leave the fear and embrace some hope. And the way to do that, the way to move from fear to hope is really by locking eyes with Jesus. The Spirit of God will give you what you ask for. The band's gonna come up and play this song that we sang earlier in the service, which is the goodness of God. It's running after me, the goodness of God. What I love about that line is Zach is this guy running away from the crowds, trying to escape into a tree to see Jesus. And Jesus is, while not running, walking to a spot where he's gonna meet Zach. And when he does, life is forever different. Zach starts dealing hope out. May we be the same. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this story where we get to see a person make a shift from fear to hope and fear to joy, and so we want to be found as those people today. So would you give each of us in our living rooms as we sit under blankets in coffee shops, wherever we are in this moment, would you begin to lock eyes with us and give us what we need, which is hope. And help us to be those dealers of hope 
that spread it and give it wherever it is needed. In your name, Jesus, amen.